At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This winter, we're taking a fresh look at a familiar story through our series, Jonah, At Odds with God. Tune in now as we face the same choice Jonah did, to receive God's mission or to resent it. Well, good morning. All right, quick show of hands. Who really planned on coming to the first service, but found themselves here in the second service? (laughs) Well, welcome. I want to begin this morning by asking uh, a question that I think I already know the answer to, but I just want to go there. How many of you ever wonder what the world would look like if you called the shots? You were in charge. Everything you wanted to happen actually happened 100% of the time. The ebbs and the flows of our culture and our world depended upon your plan. Hmm. I'm guessing that most of us are either too shy or too embarrassed to admit it publicly, but we probably think about this more often than we would care to admit because it is in our nature to be wanting that seat of power. It's in our nature to want control. It is in our nature to want the desire to be both judge as well as jury. Now, here's what I mean. If you turn on the news, I'm guessing that most of us would say, well, I know what should happen in that situation, both nationally and in foreign relations. I know what should be done. Take it to another turn, go to the financial markets. Well, I know, I know how that should be handled. I know better than those people. And there's perhaps no other place for men in this room to feel this very thing than when we turn on our favorite sporting event. We know how it should go. We know who should be playing. We know who shouldn't be playing. We know the plays that should be run. All of that is true. And I want you to know, I stand before you (laughs) guilty as charged. Uh, This week, a group of pastors and I had an opportunity to go see the Pistons. And the Pistons were winning for the first three quarters. And then the fourth quarter happened. And um, it turns out that in that moment, all four of us knew better than the guy who's been coaching for 30 years. He's been in the NBA for 30 years. The collection of us never played one minute of uh, beyond high school basketball, but we knew how it should go down. We knew how it should be played. We knew who should be playing. We knew all of it. Now, we can laugh about that because if you really think through it, it's kind of absurd, isn't it? I mean, it's just sort of silly. He's invested his entire life, Dwayne Casey, he's invested his entire life coaching, knowing the ins and the outs of professional basketball, but we knew better. It happens in a lot of life circumstances, doesn't it? We know better. We know more. We know the way things should be done. We have a fraction of the facts, and yet we know better. (laughs) It's this type of thinking today that we're going to be confronted with when we read the final chapter of Jonah. And as we read it, what I want us to do, I want every believer here this morning to pause 
to examine our own heart posture and then wrestle with a few, actually two, specific questions. We're going to get to those questions in just a moment. But before we do that, let's pray together. Gracious, holy, almighty, sovereign Lord God, we come to you and acknowledge that you are holy and that we are not. We confess to you that your ways are not our ways. In spite of what we would like to happen, in spite of what we think should happen, God, in this moment, we need to humble ourselves and submit to the reality of your word. Because, God, your word is true. It's truth. It has exactly what we need to walk out our faith in humble, genuine ways. So God, guide us into this truth today. Through the power of your Spirit, give us eyes to see the truth of your Word, give us ears to hear this truth, and then God, we ask for humble, moldable, hearts before you today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are concluding our look at the Old Testament book of Jonah. And as we have read and reflected upon this journey of this running prophet, we've done so over the past four weeks, and here we get to get the chance to wrap it up. Now, as you may remember, uh, Jonah is a prophet. That means his job, his responsibility is to go to a people and call them to repent of their sin and turn to God. That is the role of a prophet. Turn away from your sins turn to God. Now, as we read last week in chapter 3, that is exactly what's happened on a grand scale, all the way from the peasants all the way up to the king. What we read last week is the message of repentance and turning has in fact happened. And today we get to read about our friend Jonah and what his take is on that situation, where he finds his heart in this positive movement of sinners to God. Let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be turning to chapter 4 to pick up the story. I'm going to read the last verse of chapter 3 that will give us context as we head into chapter 4. Here is Jonah's story. When God saw what they did, repent, How they turned from their evil way, God relented to the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord. He said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God, and that you are merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city 
And he sat east of the city and made a booth for himself there, and he sat under it in the shade until he should see what would, be, what would become of the city. Now, the Lord God appointed a plant and made it up over Jonah and might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. And so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of that plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm and it attacked that plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down upon the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? There is so much there for us to examine today as we kind of take this final look at the heart and the mind of the prophet Jonah. And all of it, all of what we just read is really based, finds its foundation in the first verse in that text. It gives us a tremendously clear picture into the heartbeat and into the mindset of Jonah. So let's look at verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. Let's take an assessment of what's just happened here. God calls Jonah a prophet. He says, go to Nineveh and call them to repentance. Then the people turn from their evil ways and they actually repent. And the prophet of God, the one who took the message of repentance and faith to this people, he's angry. He is exceedingly unhappy. Now, if we're honest, something does not feel right about that, does it? I mean, typically, if you are the chosen mouthpiece of God in any given moment, when people respond to the teaching, respond to the call, you're usually happy. I will tell you, if I stand on this stage and call you to repentance and faith, and tons of people come in repentance and faith, I will be filled with joy not anger. And that's true of the other pastors I know as well. But not Jonah. Not when it comes to the Ninevites. Not when we are talking about the compassion of God. Now you'd say, well, what is this about? Why the hatred? Why the loathing in Jonah's heart? You see, the Ninevites were evil. And the Ninevites were the enemy of his people. He had his kind of national interests above the interests of God. And in Jonah's mind, they did not deserve God's compassion. He knows who God is. We're going to see that in just a moment. But they do not deserve God's compassion. This is undeniably not the way Jonah would do things. If Jonah is in control, if Jonah is in charge, the Ninevites would pay an incredibly steep price 
for their sin. If Jonah was in charge, they would probably be great displays of power and of wrath and of judgment upon the Ninevites. You can imagine a scenario where there might be an enemy invasion, there might be a plague, there might be a natural disaster. Those would all be fair game for the Ninevites if Jonah is calling the shots. But thankfully, Jonah's not in charge. So we get to see Jonah's response, and it is one of anger. He is angry. The original language suggests that he is absolutely furious. He is steaming mad, and as ridiculous as that may sound, as ridiculous as that may may appear to us, Jonah was actually angry for God offering grace to the Ninevites. Jonah was actually angry because of God's immense compassion. Wrestle with that for just a moment. You see, in chapter 1, we saw when God says, go to Nineveh, and instead he goes the other direction. That's him running physically. What we see here is Jonah running from the reality of God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and his compassion. He runs the opposite way again. Now, it's easy for us to take shots at Jonah. We can read him and just think, what a fool. We can judge him for his lack of compassion. We can pass judgment on him for his lack of grace. But I want us to consider for a moment how you and I feel right now in this moment when we turn on the news. Many of you know this. Many of you have been there. Many of you have experienced this personally. We've had people in our congregation. I've shared this that I've been there, but I know the Ukrainian people. Many in our staff team and many in our church family have gone there to serve along with them and to bring the gospel to different parts of Ukraine. And today when we turn on the news, there are innocent women and innocent children and innocent people being killed for no reason. If you are like me today, I'm just going to be honest, if you were like me today, you probably don't feel a lot of compassion or grace towards the Russian leaders. I didn't say the Russian people, but towards the Russian leaders. As I consider and I prepare for this message, I'm challenged, and I hope that you are, as you are reading this text, to consider a heart posture that just might challenge my thinking. Here's what I mean. If God called me tomorrow, if he called you tomorrow to go to Russia and to speak repentance and faith to the Russian leaders, where would your heart be? Where would my heart be? Would I be filled with joy at their repentance and faith? Or would I be filled with anger and frustration Because they don't deserve the grace of God. They don't deserve the compassion of God. Where would my heart be? Where would yours? 
You see, we're in church and so we all know the right answer, don't we? We know where the answer is that we should in fact be excited for a group of people to experience and to see God's compassion. But what about for people we don't like? Does that change the narrative? Let me challenge you in this way. I'm going to ask you to think about who is receiving compassion in this moment, not just a violent nation. We've already gone there. But what about if God wants to show a tremendous amount of compassion toward a a non-Christian religious group? How do we feel about that? Maybe one that has brought persecution on Christians. I'm going to poke a hornet's nest here. How about the opposing political party? What if God desires to show a tremendous amount of compassion to the opposing political party? The fact is we must all consider where our hearts rest when it comes to God's compassion. When it comes to us, we should be asking the first of two questions today, and it is this. Am I angry with God's compassion? Do I find myself angry with God's compassion? Now, before we kind of collectively nod in agreement and sort of pass that off as, oh yeah, well, I know the answer. I know, I know what I'm supposed to say. I know the right answer. I know the church answer. I want us to truly lean into this. I want to challenge us to wrestle with this question at a deeper level, not just sort of a cursory level, but I'm talking about, am I angry with God's compassion for people I don't care for? You see, throughout the Scriptures, we find that compassion is the character of God. It's the very character of God. Throughout Scripture, we read that God is compassionate. Think of Exodus 34. This is the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. And I think of Joel, another prophet like Jonah. He says, return to the Lord your God. Well, why? For He is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and He is abounding in love. Compassion is the character of our God. That is our God. And if you are in Christ today, if you would say, Pastor, I have recognized my sin, I've repented of my sin, I've believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you are a recipient of that compassion. You are. I am. If you are in Christ today, then you should revel in that compassion. You should enjoy that compassion. You should celebrate the compassion that God has shown to you. But let's take another step. Let's go one step further. Because this not only should be something that we celebrate, but it should be something that challenges us to want that for others. So right here in the middle of the sermon, I'm going to do something I don't often do. I'm going to hit the pause button. And I'm going to encourage you to grab your bulletin, grab your mobile device, whatever you need to jot down a note. Go ahead and, and take it out. I want to encourage you in this moment. 
While you are doing that, don't check the latest news, don't check your sports scores. What I want you to do in this moment is to think of someone who is far from God. Someone who you know needs to repent of their sin and turn to God. But here's the twist. I want you to think of someone or some group that you struggle with. Some group that you don't really care for. Some group that you have a hard time understanding why they think the way they do, why they act the way they do. That is who I want you to have in mind in this moment. Someone who if you're honest and we peel back the layers, we would say, I don't think they deserve God's grace. This might hit a little close to home. But let me give you a few examples. Maybe in this moment you're thinking of a disengaged parent. Maybe you're thinking of a former spouse. Maybe you're thinking of a friend who has betrayed you. Maybe you are thinking of an awful, mean boss. I want you to write down their name. Right where you are, jot down their name. Church, that was the easy part. That was the easy part because now what I want to ask you to do is I want to encourage you. You have their name. I want you to commit to pray for them tonight. And then on Monday. And then again on Tuesday. I want you to commit to pray for them, whether that's an individual or an entire group of people. I want you to pray that they would repent of their sin and that they would freshly experience the grace of God. Why would I ask that? Because as recipients of God's grace and of compassion, we don't want to be angry about God's compassion. It is our desire, or at least it should be our desire, that more and more people repent of their sin and believe the gospel. More and more people turn from their ways and run to God. That should be the heart of the believer. So do you have your person? Start tonight. Now, let's continue on our text. We're going to see what Jonah did with all of that anger. Verse 2. It says, And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew, I knew that you were a gracious God and that you are merciful, that you are slow to anger and that you are abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life. Take my life from me for it is better for me to die than it is to live. Clearly, Jonah is not calling the shots. Are you guys tracking with that? Jonah is not calling the shots. He is not in control. And he does not like the choices of who is. He knows the character of the one who is. And he doesn't like it. So in fact, he pouts. He pouts. 
in revealing his anger and frustration. Let's look to verse 4. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat in the east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade until he should see what would become of the city. Can't you just imagine this kind of grumpy little guy over there just waiting to see what would happen? And in the midst of that, in the midst of that disobedient, angst-filled heart, God does something amazing. He reveals his heart yet again. He shows Jonah compassion and grace. Let's look at verse 6. Now the Lord appointed, the Lord God appointed a plant, and he made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. And so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of that plant. What is this revealing to us? It is revealing to us that Jonah really only cares about himself. He cares about what he wants and not others. It's just a moment ago, he was exceedingly angry that people would receive compassion, but here he is exceedingly glad because God has provided him a little shade. And that's when God challenges his prophet one more time. They just keep coming. Look at verse 7. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm. That worm attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and he said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And you can almost hear the angst in his voice. Yes, I do will to be angry, angry enough to die. (laughs) Jonah's running again. He isn't running from God's will this time. He's not running from God's calling. What he's running from is God's love. He is running from God's love. Now you'd say, well, how is he doing this? He is intentionally making the choice not to love the things that God loves. He is running away from the things that God loves. And listen to the Lord's response in verse 10. And the Lord said, you pity that plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. In this moment, the Lord is calling Jonah out. He's saying, you are not God. You did not create the plant. You did not make it grow, and you did not cause it to perish. You didn't do any of those things. Therefore, Jonah, you do not have the right, you do not have the authority to determine who does and who does not receive my compassion. You don't get to make those calls. That responsibility lies solely and squarely at the feet of a holy and righteous and loving and merciful and gracious God. Oh, by the way, a God who is compassionate. This is how the book closes. As God reveals his concern for all that he created. And should I not pity Nineveh? That great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. 
Church, this should remind us that God's love and grace extends to all peoples. It extends to all individuals. God's compassion extends beyond what we would desire. And so that leads us to consider the second question today. Do we acknowledge God's compassion to others? Do we acknowledge or actively pursue or actively support God's compassion to others? We need to wrestle with this. We need to consider this. You see, the book of Jonah closes with a brief glimpse at God's compassionate heart for all peoples. And God desires that all people of faith would share in His concern for all that He created. So if you are here today and you've acknowledged your sin, you've turned from your sin, you've repented and believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ who died and saved you from your sin, who forgave you and showered you with His mercy and His compassion, if that is you, you've been set free. And He desires that you would be a people who would seek to set others free. You see, if you're in Christ today, He's given you a calling. It might be a little bit different than Jonah's, but there's also a lot of similarities. Listen to the words of Jesus from Matthew's Gospel. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Church, let's be the people of God who not only desire but actively pursue, actively seek ways to express God's amazing compassion to a world that is in need of repentance and faith. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.